Well, I'm back already. I know you guys missed me. Um, no, it is truly a great honor to, to be here this morning. For those of you that don't know, my name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here. And Pastor Tony asked me several months ago to fill in um, and speak for him. And I said, absolutely not. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, I said, no, I'd be, I'd be honored to. I've never actually had the opportunity to preach on a Sunday morning before. And so this is going to be quite exciting for all of us. We're either going to be done in eight minutes or we'll be here till the Super Bowl. Um, but... No, it's really funny because I was telling my son last night, he's four, we typically, he always wants to know, what songs are we singing tomorrow, Dad? You know, and he said, and Mr. Tony's, Mr. Tony's speaking? And I said, actually, no, Daddy's speaking tomorrow. And he goes, why? I'm like, okay, well, thanks for the vote of confidence, buddy. But no, it is going to be a great opportunity to, to just get here and share a little bit about my heart and something that I'm very passionate about, and that is community and small groups. And so we're just going to jump right in. And so I have to ask the question this morning, has anyone ever seen the show called Alone? It's kind of an older show, been out for a little while. A, a few of you? Okay. Well, basically, the premise of this show is they take 10 survival wilderness experts, and they just drop them in the middle of nowhere, separated. And the whole goal is to see who can survive the longest, right? So you are just out, you get to take a little backpack with like some tarp and a rope and maybe some flint to light a fire, but you are sent out there into the middle of nowhere with nothing all by yourself. And I know what you're all thinking, Andrew, this seems really up your alley. When are you applying? Because everything about this screams wilderness survival expert. Um, <laughs> But it is a really interesting show, and I've just, the more you watch it, the more you kind of start to realize, and you can kind of figure out early on who is going to make it, because it's the people that figure out the three basic necessities, right? Food, water, and shelter. Once you have figured those things out, it almost doesn't matter your surroundings, it doesn't matter your habitat. Once you have those things figured out and accomplished, you are good to go. And so they move from not just surviving, but they move from thriving. And as we start this new year, I think it's important for us to recognize that we are on the other side of a very important season relationally in human history. This is not meant to be any type of political statement, but I believe that it is true that over the last few years, we have greatly suffered relationally. We have seen schools closed for extended periods of time, and I know it's different in other parts of the country. Some were longer, some were shorter. We have seen work closed. I know a lot of people that were moved remote and still have not gone back almost three years later. We saw churches closed for an extended period of time. So we saw our lives, our work, our friendships, and routines were totally altered. And I would imagine that some of you in here have really felt the effects of that over the last few years. That life in 2023 is significantly different than it was in 2019. And maybe some relational things that used to feel easy and natural, maybe they feel difficult now. Maybe you have felt alone over the past few years, or maybe even prior to 2020. Maybe you have felt like you were alone and you were just surviving. So our question this morning is, how do we in 2023 not just survive, but how do we thrive? And I think if there's one word that I could give to you this morning that would move you from surviving to thriving, it would be the word community. And so as followers of Jesus, we want to take everything back to the scriptures, right? And we want to ask the question, is there a practice from the life and teaching of Jesus that has the potential to set us up to a whole new way of life where we flourish 
and thrive with rich relationships in a culture that is marked by individualism and loneliness? Answer, of course, is yes. So would you open your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 4? I'll give you a moment to get there. We're going to take a very short and brief journey through the book of Matthew and see Jesus calling some of his disciples. So we're going to be in Matthew 4, 18 through 20 to start with. Matthew 4, 18 through 20 says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, and casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. And next, moving on in Matthew 4, 21 through 22, we see that he calls James and John. It says, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And so very early on in the story, right, we pick up that to follow Jesus is to live in community. For Jesus did not call one disciple singular, but he called disciples, plural. And as the story goes on, we see that Jesus continues to call individuals to be a part of his community, but there is a very high cost. So let's go to Matthew chapter 8, 18 through 20. Matthew 8 says, and when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. And then a certain scribe came and said to him, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So Jesus is definitely not a salesman, right? This is not the pitch you want to give when I will come follow you. It's like you're going to sleep on the ground. Like, okay. But he is honest, right? He's very honest. He says, Do you realize? what it will cost you to come after me. And then moving on in 21, someone said, let me go and bury my own father. And that is not a literal statement. What that means is let me go home and wait for my father to die, and then the family inheritance will be passed down to me. Otherwise, if I abandon my family now, Jesus, that is incredibly taboo in the family-based Jewish culture. I will miss out on the inheritance which is why we then see Jesus say, follow me and let the dead bury their own. And I love that this story does not tell you how it ends. It does not tell you what this man does. It does not tell you what choice he made. Does he make the choice to follow Jesus or does he turn and walk away? But what it does do is it leaves us to answer the question personally this morning, where am I in the invitation of Jesus what am I willing to sacrifice to follow Jesus? What am I willing to give up for the sake of following Jesus? And so we're learning here that some people were ready to risk it all and leave it all for the sake of community and following Jesus, and other people weren't. It was too high of a bar. Let's look at one more example from Matthew 9. We're going to be in Matthew 9, 9 through 13. This is a story that is probably familiar to many of us. It says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him. 
And now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. And if we can just pause, I just really think this is funny that he calls Matthew the tax collector and then it says, and behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him. Because if you're a tax collector and a sinner, who are your friends? Other tax collectors and sinners. And so I'm just imagining this dinner where it's tax collectors, many of them, and sinners, many of them, and Jesus' followers, and Jesus, and they're just sharing this meal together. And I can only imagine the perplexed look on the Pharisees. They're just like, why are you doing this? And so they ask him, why is your rabbi doing this? And Jesus responds, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And so it is interesting that Matthew From what we've gleaned so far, he tells us that there are people in Jesus' community from across the spectrum of maturity. We have the good Jewish boys of Peter, James, and John. Then we have the tax collector, Matthew. And then we'll add Judas Iscariot later on. And it just feels like Jesus is more interested in your commitment to him than he is your level of maturity. Because even as we read on and we'll see Jesus calls the rest of his disciples and we read the stories in the Gospels involving the disciples, they were not the most religious. They were not the richest. They certainly were not the smartest. Actually, they were the opposite, right? As we read, they were self-centered. They were uneducated. They had little spiritual perception. Peter was kind of a hothead, right? But these were his followers. These were his community These were his friends. And Jesus lived in this community with these people. He traveled with them. He shared many meals with them. He went into their homes. He was not a sage on the mountain. He was not a monastic living in the desert. No, he lived with his traveling band of friends. And I can only imagine the ruckus that they caused from town to town. And the call to follow Jesus is a simultaneous call to join his community because we cannot follow Jesus. Jesus alone. We need community. So what is community today? We will talk about that. But before we talk about what community is and how it's beneficial, I think it's really important to address one point on what community is not, because I think we mistake this quite often. Community is not connectivity. If you're taking notes this morning, that would be a great place to start. Community is not connectivity, and we often mistake that, especially, I would say, the millennial generation and below, right? We are more connected than ever. We have FaceTime, we have Zoom, we have text messaging, we have, I guess we've had email for a while, but we have social media, we've got Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter, I'm sure I'm missing some, right? We are just more connected than ever. And I'm not trying to be the guys railing on cell phones or social media or anything like that. Like, this is a good thing. It's not a bad thing to be connected. I participate in social media and other things. I love that Lauren and I can FaceTime our family that lives out of state so they can see their grandkids. These are not all bad things. 
The problem is, is that social media in particular tricks us into thinking we are connected and that we are living in community. We can connect with anyone, anywhere, at any time. But just because we are connected and we can connect does not mean we are living in community. Just because we have 14,000 followers on Instagram or we play video games with people in the UK, which is a real thing apparently, does not mean we have community. They provide us with a false sense of connection. And even in spite of all of the technological advancements that we've seen specifically over the last just 50 years, loneliness is on the rise. Researchers have found that there is a huge connection between the amount of time that you spend online and how lonely you are. The more we use social media, specifically the lonelier we are likely to be. And we live in a very weird time, right? We live in a, in a world today where we don't have to interact with anyone if we so choose, right? We can get a job where we work from home. We can order clothes online and have them shipped to the house. You can order groceries and have them delivered. You can order takeout from many different services and have it brought to your house. You can buy a Peloton and work out at home. You literally never have to leave your house and see anybody if you so choose to orient your life that way. Community is not connectivity. So that leads us to the obvious question, well, what is community then? Well, community in the way of Jesus is koinonia, and that's simply translated fellowship from the Greek. Community defined by the dictionary is people with common interests living in a particular area, which would, of course, rule out online. And I really do love that common interest part of the definition, because as followers of Jesus, that is our common interest, right? It is not your age. It is not your race. It is not your political affiliation. It is simply Jesus that brings us and binds us together. So if we're going to say community is not connectivity, what is community? We'll say community is encouraging. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another or encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Community is encouraging. It is encouraging to be around other believers who are hungry to know Jesus. All of us have something to give and receive in community. We need each other to encourage one another, to walk with one another in difficult and joyous seasons. We need true friends in our lives to sharpen us, to speak truth to us, and when necessary, hold us accountable. Romans 1, 11 through 12, this is Paul talking. He says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith of both you and me. I love that. That I may be encouraged together by the mutual faith. That is what community is. Community is the encouragement of people that share the mutual faith, that follow Jesus together and walk with one another in every season. Community is encouraging. Community is family. We are saved as individuals, but we are saved to the family of God. Ephesians 2.19 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Community is family. Community is a beautiful web of deep relationships. We were created for relationships, first with God 
and then with one another. We see this all the way back to Genesis, right? Where God created us out of the overflow of his love. And we were created for relationship and we need each other. In Joseph Hellerman's phenomenal book called When Church Was Family, I highly recommend this book. He says that commitment to God cannot be separated from the commitment to the group and that the highest level of spiritual formation happens within the group. So people who remain connected with their brothers and sisters, their family in community, almost invariably grow in self-understanding and they grow and mature in their faith and in the ways they relate to God and other human beings. It is a simple and profound biblical reality that we either grow and thrive together or we do not grow much at all. Community is family. Psalm 133.1 says, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And I would be a liar today if I stood up and said, community is the easiest thing you'll ever do. It's so fun. It's perfect all the time. Everyone's just happy and joyous. No, the truth is that while community is encouraging and community is family, community is also really, really hard. Community is hard because it requires honesty. And honesty is a word that we don't particularly like very much in the church. Because if I were to walk around this morning while everyone was milling about and ask everybody, how are you doing? What am I going to hear from almost everybody in the room? Fine, I'm good, you know, good, just busy. But that's probably not the truth, right? Probably not everyone in this room is fine and good. You probably are busy. I believe that with all of my heart. <laughs> but, but that's probably not the truth. If I asked somebody to just simply come on stage this morning and say, hey, will you just share about who you really are when you're, when you're not at church, when you're not in Sunday school? Would you, just, would you just be honest about who you really are? No one is going to do that. No one is going to raise their hand and say, yes, let me come tell you how much of a failure I am in my personal life. No one is going to do that, right? Because nobody truly wants to be honest. Nobody wants to sit in a circle with other people and share their sins, their failures, their weaknesses, because it is intimidating. And it is scary to lay our souls bare before another individual. Because the truth is, community, when done correctly, it exposes who we really are and who we really aren't. Something else that does this for all my married people Marriage does this. Marriage very quickly exposes who you are and who you thought you were, right? I see some of you are looking at your spouses right now. This is not the point of this little exercise, right? But we've all had that moment where, you know, maybe six months into marriage and your spouse comes to you and says, hey, you know you do this? And in your mind, you're thinking, A, I didn't know I did that, or B, that didn't take her as long to find out as I thought she would, Right? <laughs> Because that's what marriage does. When you're in close proximity and you're living in community with somebody else, whether that's your spouse or a group of people, it very quickly exposes who you really are and who you really aren't. And the truth is, community is a simple idea. It's hard, but it's not complex. It's people that you follow Jesus together with. But we're scared, right? We're scared to go all the way into community we can hang out with friends, that's okay, but to actually go all the way to the place of openness and vulnerability, we don't want that. So what do we do? 
We hover in what I would call pseudo-community. We come to church, Christian friends, we might listen to Christian music or a Christian podcast, but going all the way into community where we are sharing the deepest parts of our life together, we don't want any part of that. Lastly, community is hard because it requires commitment. And there is another word even outside the church, it's not just a church thing, that we don't really like that word. To live in community, we have to commit to being there, right? And that is the deal breaker for many of us. What if something better comes up on Sunday night? They're having community group on the Super Bowl? Are you serious? What if something better comes up on Tuesday night? What if I get a better invitation on Thursday night? You will, I promise you, you will. Something better is gonna come up. Something better always comes up, right? We live in the, a world of, of FOMO, if you don't know what that is, fear of missing out. And it's amazing, even my son, who's four years old, he has the fear of missing out. And it's just, it's hard because it's hard to commit to being there. It's hard to commit to showing up for something every week at the same time, ready to go. Community is hard. And I would be doing a disservice to you this morning if I told you anything other than that. Because it really is hard. But it is beneficial and it is worth it. It is worth it to pour yourself into a group of other people who are following Jesus. Community glorifies God, even in its hardship. Acts 2, 44 through 47 says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And our love, our sacrifice, our fellowship with one another puts on display the nature of God. And when the world sees it, they should want to know the God we serve and be a part of his family of believers. John 13, 35 says, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. When we have friends that love us, that serve us, that forgive us, that speak truth into our lives, we see Jesus and we are encouraged to live a life of surrender, devoted to following Jesus with everything we have. My last and closing point this morning, and it might be the least spiritual point that I have, but I believe it is incredibly important, is that it is simply community is for everyone. If you are 85 years old, I want you in community group. I want you in my community group. I want the wisdom that you have, that you have been following Jesus probably longer than I have been alive. I think a lot of times we see community groups and small groups and, and that meet in homes during the week, we see that as more of a, a younger generation thing, and that is false. You don't get to age out of community at some point in your life. It's not an option. I'm looking at you, Sydney. Tuesday night, 6.30. <laughs> but I want you in community, regardless of age. If you are a new Christian, I want you in community. If you're a new believer and you say, I don't really know that much about the Bible, I don't really know what it means to follow Jesus, 
Well, then what better place to begin than in the safe space of a community group where you can be encouraged and challenged and walk with other believers who follow Jesus together. I want you in community so you can be discipled, so you can learn what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, Just as we saw earlier when Jesus called the disciples, they weren't the most spiritual. He didn't call them because they had it all figured out, right? They definitely did not have it all figured out, and he still wanted them. I want you in community group if your life is in shambles because of sickness, relationship, whatever it might be. I want you in community so you can have people to love you, pray for you, care for you, encourage you. As we see with the disciples Jesus called, there is no mold, there is no level that you have to measure up to. And so my challenge this morning is will you take that risk and will you step into community this morning? In your bulletin, there is a card that I would love for you to fill out. You don't have to, but if you're sitting here this morning and you'd love to just find out more information about community groups, who leads a community group? When do they meet? We have different community groups that meet on different days, at different times, in different locations. If you're just interested in learning more about community groups, maybe participating in one, would you just fill that out and drop it in the box that is outside on that table? Or you can bring it to me personally. It doesn't matter. But I would love for you to do that. And here's the thing. By doing that, that is not a guaranteed, surefire way of saying I'm committed to being in so-and-so's community group. No, it's just an opportunity for myself or maybe one of our other small group leaders to reach out to you and connect with you. And here's something that I would encourage you. Don't just go to one community group. Go to all of them. Figure out which one works best for you. Maybe Sunday night is not the best night. Maybe Tuesday night's a better night. Or maybe Thursday night's a better night. Or maybe Sunday night is the best night. I would truly encourage you Try out all of them. Find the one that is the right fit, the right time, the right day, maybe closer to you. Maybe they have kids or maybe you want one with no kids. You know, that's okay too. But I would encourage you, would you just take the risk and step into community? I can speak from personal experience both even just here at Centennial being a community group, but community groups that my wife and I have been a part of at past churches that we have served. It is incredibly life-giving to be a part of. And so I would just encourage you this morning as we leave, as we close, would you just pray about it? Would you at least commit to praying about what God would have for you in this next season of spiritual formation? Let's pray together. God, what a wonderful gift it is to be in community, to be with other believers. Lord, I pray for our church Lord, I don't know where everyone's at this morning. I don't know if they're feeling alone. I don't know if they're feeling lonely, if that's something that they are struggling with. Lord, would you just bring comfort for those that are feeling lonely this morning? God, would you put a burden on their heart to join a community group where they can grow and they can flourish and they can thrive in their walk with you? Lord, I pray that as we continue to follow you, that you will lead us, that you will guide us, that you will speak and embed the truth of your word deep into our hearts. 
We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next week.